Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Hey, thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our live Astros Twins Game 3 postgame show. It should be a fun one. The Astros handle their business in a big way. Robert with Stephen Kerr, 70 years of sports journalism between the two of us. And we're Astros fans, lifers. So we always yeah. have fun when this happens, Stephen. And, and the Astros are now 6-0, and Stephen, in their last six postseason day games. They've averaged over 10 runs. Give us some more sunshine, man. Man, you know what? I was just going to say, uh, you know, in day games on the road, coming into today, they were 5-0, and and they'd outscored their opponents 52-16 to with 70 hits. So you can add six more runs to that category. I didn't yeah. see the hit category, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love it when the Astros play the afternoon games. I think I said it the other day that, you know, not just for the fact that, you know, that it's earlier, but they play better, especially on the road anyway. So, man, it's just amazing what the Astros do on the road this, this whole season. They were 51-31. and 31. You know, they, they had a pretty loud Minnesota crowd. But one of the keys that I thought, Robert, in this game was that the Astros needed to jump on Sonny Gray early and get the crowd out of it early. And that's exactly what they did. I saw somebody post um, Sonny Gray got handled by the Astros like Sonny Corleone at the toll booth. And <laughs> pretty much sums it up. Uh, yeah, right that, that works. That works. Yeah, that was uh, that was a good one. Hey, we want to hear from you. Get in the comments. We're going to go for a while here, uh, maybe around 30 minutes, because we want to take you all the way to the Rockets. Uh, preseason opener this year, which yeah. is just coming up and and not too long here in the next 35, 40 minutes. So uh, let's unpack it a little bit and go back to that first inning, Stephen. The big dogs produced Altuve and Jordan with the single and double Tucker, the RBI single. But Stephen, the story of this one, one of the key stories, Jose Abreu, Jose Abreu has showed up and he's shown out in September and October, hits the first of two bombs in this one. Is Jeff Bagwell getting the last laugh? <laughs> and, and Robert, you know, you've been saying all year how great Abreu is going to be in the regular oh, yeah. season and especially in the postseason. I mean, you just you have not stopped talking about him, how great he is. So this should come as no surprise to you. Ignore not. the man behind the curtain. <laughs> now, listen, here's what's really cool about this. Coming into the game, Abreu... Lifetime against Sonny Gray was 7 for 29. He was hitting 241, so not great. His homer, Robert, he jacked that sucker 442 feet, and it was a hanging slider. I, I loved what Astros Twitter and how they described it as cloudy with a chance of meatballs. That's what that home run was by Abreu. Uh, I, I was expecting the meatballs to be the meatloaf as a sort of Jeff Blum, uh, sort of, oh, yeah. Jeff Blum and the Chaz McCormick, uh, Meatloaf Mom, you know, the Meat whole. Meatloaf Mom, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, oh, wow. You know, and, it was and, great well, to see Abreu come through like that, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and then, bottom of the first inning, speaking of guys coming through, we're going to be talking about this the whole game. Christian Javier should have got a cold strike three on Polanco. Instead, it's a walk. Javier then gives up the double to Kepler. Could have messed with Javier's head, but Steven, big moment among many big moments for him. He strikes out Lewis, 
and that uh, Correa guy, what's his name? Carlos something or other? Yeah, didn't I, did I call him an Astros killer the other day? Maybe I jinxed him. Well, good. I'll call him an Astros killer again today if that's what it takes, <laughs> which he wasn't. <laughs> he was a twins third. killer today. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and then in the third inning, Jordan on third with one out. Abreu strikes out this time. Couldn't put it in play. Yonder strikes out. Missed opportunity. Bottom third. Twins get a couple on, but Christian Javier escapes another jam. He just it was just one after another after another. Well, you know what? It, it didn't feel like a shutout, Robert. And you think about it, you know, he only gave up one hit in the five innings he pitched. And I'll tell you, going back to that first inning especially, I'll tell you something about Javier, and I'm sure, you know, I think we've noticed this before. He likes to wind that pitch clock down to a mere second and you may have noticed in that inning, the first couple innings, Robert, the Twins crowds noticed because they kept counting it down, you know, five, four, three, two, one. Kind of made me wonder, though, did, did Javier even understand them? Because I'm not sure, and, I, and I'm not making fun of him. I'm just saying, I think he mostly uses an interpreter. So I, whether he heard them or not, it didn't seem to phase him at all. And when he did get into trouble, I think the Twins – they had chances in the first, third, and fifth innings, especially. He bore down. I mean, I mean, this was the Javier that we wanted to see. This is the Javier we were used to seeing early on. He bore down when he had to. He made the right pitches when he had to. And his breaking stuff was really working today, too, for the most part. A couple of things to keep in mind. I've said it all year long. It looks like he has a tired arm, the short offseason, the World Baseball Classic. He didn't have the regular ramp up. He had... A couple of weeks between starts, you know, he hadn't started in a while because of the, yeah. you know, the long off period there. And and I think that helped his arm out. I saw a little bit more juice. You saw that fastball jumping a little bit. Yeah. And you also have to talk about Martin Maldonado. And I know the Astros fans don't want to hear this, but, you know, they made a mention of it on the broadcast a couple of times and he, he calmed them down and key points in this game. Well, Robert, this is, and I was going to bring this up too. This is what we've been talking about all year long, why Martin Maldonado is behind the plate. And you know what? He even helped him at the plate today. He was two for three with a sacrifice bunt. But here's why, and you saw Yonner Diaz. You know, I'm glad he got a chance to, to be the DH today, but it's obvious he looked a bit lost. He struck out, I think, just about every time at bat except for one. But this is why you have Maldonado in there. He was able to calm Javier down when he needed to, and he was as much a steadying force you know, behind the plate for Javier as anyone else. Yeah, and it was good that Yonder got a chance to get in there and a blowout. You know, you didn't look bad that he did struggle yeah. at the plate, and you didn't have I believe to say, he was well, the only Astro that didn't get a hit, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think everybody I, I, else in the lineup got one. Yeah, you won't see that on uh, your basic social media sites from Astros fans because there's a narrative out there that they want to talk <laughs> about. But it's a big deal that he at least got his feet wet a little bit. Yeah. And the other part about it was that, you know, Christian, uh, or, I'm sorry, Yonder Diaz, uh, you know, he he's somebody that you might need later on in the playoffs. But, you know, Michael Brantley, you, you still had him available to pinch hit late in the game if you needed him for Martin Maldonado. So that that's the advantage of having him on the bench is you have a lefty coming off the bench. And, you know, Stephen, we talked about it a lot. This is a predominantly right-headed hitting Astros lineup. So it's good to have that lefty off the bench now. 
Oh, absolutely. Especially if it had become a close game and you really needed him, man, that would have been a great weapon to, to put off the bench in a pitch hitting situation. And, you know, look, I, I'm glad Dusty made the move. I'm glad Diaz was in there. It turned out it really didn't matter. It, it could have. But I think that this will at least, you know, maybe get some of the jitters out and he can start being the hitter. But, you know, we don't know how much more playing time he's going to have. I'm sure he'll get some more depending on how long the Astros go. So, yeah, it, it was it worked out all the way around. You still had Brantley available if you needed him. Do you remember I mentioned this? Uh, a few months ago, I said with the new pitch clock, I said one of the cool things that can happen is in the playoffs, if the fans get it, they will start doing that countdown that we saw the Twins. I brought it up. You could go look in the archive. I might have said it, Stephen, in our in our pre-se- uh, uh, preseason Astros show. You might have. And I'll tell you what, I actually did an article the other day for one of the sites I write for on the Minnesota fans' twins and how they actually helped the twins win the wild card series against the Blue Jays. And in that second game, Carlos Correa had told Sonny Gray, who was actually pitching in that game before the game, that the Twins fans were being real loud and the Blue Jays runners could not hear their base coaches. And that's why they picked off, I think it was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. later in the game in the fifth inning. And the Minnesota Twins fans played a, a hand in that because they were so loud. And it just it rattled the Blue Jays. So the fans really can make a difference. And that was the big thing that worried me about today. The, the Twins fans were definitely in the game. So the, the sooner you could get them out of the game, the better. And that's what Houston did. I just want to remind everybody again, get in the comments, a couple of questions for you guys to think about as we move on with the show. I want to ask everybody out there, who do you want to see pitch tomorrow? Do you want to see J.P. France or Jose Arquiti start? Also, I want to hear from you guys. Did you not like the fact that Chaz McCormick wasn't in the lineup in this game or that uh, Yanner Diaz was batting six? Is there anything that you didn't like about what Dusty did, even though it seemed like everything worked perfectly? (laughs) So uh, that's something to think about. Let's go to the fifth inning. In the meantime, Bregman adds a solo shot, but Stephen, right before the Breggy bomb, they did a dugout interview with Dusty. And in two questions, Mm -hmm. the two questions that he got, he defended Abreu and Maldi. Just found it funny that when he was asked about Christian Javier, he immediately gives credit to Maldi. And it sounded like Dusty is like on Twitter day and night, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he is. And he's just being secretive about it. I don't know. But, you know, sometimes, Robert, you know, we, we spend most of the regular season questioning this and questioning that. But, you know, it really doesn't come to roost one way or the other until the postseason, if you make it that far. And, and that's when a manager is either going to look like a genius or a goat. And I'm not talking greatest of all time. I'm talking about the other goat. And right now, you know, Dusty looks pretty darn good with keeping Maldonado in there much of the time. And, you know, this isn't anything new. I mean, in years past, Robert, how often have you seen Martin Maldonado not catch in the postseason, no matter who the backup catcher is? George Ochoa says, can we play all the games on the road? And that's what I told you, Stephen. We had <laughs> yeah. them where we, we wanted them. Yeah, I, I know. That, that's how I felt coming into the series too, George. I was a little worried about the Twins fans, but I also know how good the Astros are on the road, and they're very good at handling that kind of adversity. But, yeah, the way they played at home sometimes, they, they got game one. But, boy, in game two, it looked like just like they played at home most of the year. 
when they went 39 and 42. So that, yeah, that's a great comment. All right, let's keep moving through this one because there was a lot of good stuff. Bottom five, umpire Bill Miller misses that foul tip on what should have been strike three. Incredibly idiotic that a foul tip, Stephen, would not be reviewable, especially when a hit by pitch is reviewable. Yeah, it, it is crazy. I mean, that's the, the frustrating part. You can't review it. And, and Robert, I know, I, I don't know, you were, you can tell me this. I heard it. I heard it hit that bad. I know I did. Yes, I did too. I, I just, I, it was, it was so obvious. You heard, you heard like click, click. Is, yeah, there were two, yeah, there were two sounds. That, that's what gives it away. There were two sounds, click, click. Like you said, if it had just been boom, you know, it hits the glove, that's it. But there were two. So, yeah, the umpire clearly blew that call. Thank God the game wasn't, you know, really that close or it could have been a determining factor. Yeah, I don't get it. Baseball still going kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Wake up, guys. We got review. <laughs> we can do it on all this stuff. But yeah. thankfully, Stephen, Javier, back-to-back case, ah, just an amazing performance. But I, You just can't say enough about what he did in this game. Well, you know, that could have gotten into his head, too. Uh, you know, the fact that he didn't get that strikeout that he thought. But again, he he bore down, got a couple of great strikeouts. And, uh, you know, what was in his favor, too, Robert, is uh, I mentioned this, I think, in game one on the postgame show, is the Twins had the third highest strikeout rate. And, and Javier was, you know, getting a lot of swings and misses. You know, in the first inning alone, he threw 21 pitches, but seven of the 11 swings that the twins took were whiffs and four of them were on breaking pitches. I think at one time he had like 14 of the 19 swings and misses were his slider or his breaking stuff. So yeah, he was really dealing it today. And in the moments like that, when you thought you had another strikeout, when he could have collapsed, he didn't. Christian Javier has not given up a run in his last 16 and a third postseason innings. That's some oral Hershizer's stuff. Hey, Brian Miranda asked Stephen, is it just me or do the Minute Maid fans always sound so much more quieter than the road opponents? No. You say his name is Brian? Yeah. No, no, Brian, it is not just you. And Robert and I have talked about this ad nauseum. And you saw it today, you know, the, how enthusiastic the Minnesota Twins fans are. Now, look, I understand, you know, the Astros fans probably were, I think, were like that in 2015 when they made the postseason and 2017 and that exciting run. I don't know if it's just the fact that you get used to it after a while, you know, you start feeling spoiled. You think, well, we don't really need to cheer that much. They're going to win anyway. You you take it for granted. And then you look at a team like the Twins who, you know, they've been in the postseason, but they didn't win a postseason game for like 18 in a row until this postseason. So they're thirsty for it. They're hungry. They're loud. They're really getting into it. But it, it almost seems like the Astros fans are sitting on their hands most of the time, even when it's a close game. I'm just going to say, Stephen, the truth is that I've talked to every Astro fan in Houston, and none of them can talk back to me because they've all blown out their vocal cords <laughs> after rooting for this team for the last nine years. You know, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I've talked to every fan in Houston. They deny, you know, no, I cheer when I go to the games. Well, I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can see the stupid wave that you guys do. But yeah, the, the cheering part, they need to get uh, better and get rid of that stupid wave. But meanwhile, let's go back to the game because Bregman and RBI in the six to go with the home run earlier. Good to see his bat get going. A lot of guys got going in this game. Six inning, Hunter Brown 
He gives up a run. But we got to talk about postseason Pena. Unbelievable defensively in this series. Makes the diving stop and starts the double play. You know, I, I just wasn't sure, Robert, when he got to that ball, if he could make that double play. Now, you know, just Pena just has really made in the, the postseason just seems to be his thing. I mean, he's still hitting in the postseason. I think he's batting around 500 in the last two postseasons that he's been in. But, man, the defense, you talk about saving the day. It really did save the day there. Yeah, just huge plays for Jeremy Pena in this series so far defensively. I mean, it, 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 that one might not seem like a big deal because it was a big lead, but it just stopped a rally. It saves, you know, some more of your bullpen. It just there's a lot of implications to the play that he made there. Um, ninth inning, uh, let's see, Jordan puts the cherry on top of the mm. Twins Sunday that he made today because it, he just made a big old Sunday with some nuts and everything. I mean, he adds a home run to two doubles. He is homeward in four consecutive postseason games. Are you out of words for him yet, Stephen? Yeah, pretty much. And and I don't take it for granted, though. Let me tell you, I enjoy it every time. Every time Jordan comes to bat, you just feel like you have a chance for something to happen. Even if it doesn't, you figure, well, he'll probably do it next time and maybe the time after. So, yeah, I, I don't even know what words to put to it. All I know is just keep cranking them, Jordan. We're going to need it. One of the things that all these runs did, Stephen, was it kept Naris and Presley fresh for tomorrow. Yeah, it certainly did. That, and that's big. Uh, and when you did have to go to your bullpen, you know, you were able to put a Hunter Brown in there. You, you know, you gave Maton a, a little bit of work. Montero was able to take the ninth with an eight-run lead. You know, he walked the first batter. You thought, oh, boy, come on, Rafael, don't, you know, let's bear downs. But but he did. So, yeah, the bullpen is relatively fresh tomorrow. Okay. Now that brings us to tomorrow because that leaves us with the question we talked about earlier. Would you prefer Urquidy or J.P. France tomorrow, Stephen? Well, this may not be a popular thing, Robert, but I almost feel – that they should start Urquidy for the simple fact that he has more playoff experience. Yeah, I know he's not quite stretched out. He's probably not going to give you more than four innings, but then you could bring in a J.P. France. Now, the only problem with that scenario is that J.P. France, the times that I think the one or two times he's come out of the bullpen, Robert, he hasn't fared very well. He seems to fare better when he starts, but you know, since he's been a bit shaky lately, maybe this is kind of what he needs to come out of the bullpen. But you want to get off to that good start if you can, and Herkiti might be the guy. That's the thing. I think you, you said coming out of the bullpen for one of those guys, it, 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 this is a piggyback situation. So you yeah, wonder how much it, it matters who starts, but it, you want the guy to start that you think is going to do the best job with that pressure in the first two innings on the road, and Herkiti's been through all this stuff. Yeah, that's that's my point. And I, I wrestled with that. Because I thought, well, you know, France seems to do better when he starts, but lately it hasn't seemed to make a difference. You know, and then you could put Arkady in to put out the fire. But the more I think about it, when you're on the road, if if you have a chance to get off to that fast start like they did today, then you take it. And and that's what I would do in going with Arkady. It's not going to be Brown. We know that because he pitched today. So it's either going to be Arkady or France. And I would say Arkady and then put France and then 
you know, the fact that you do have a relatively rested bullpen, you know, you've got Neris, you, you've got, you know, you didn't use Stanek, you could use him in a pinch if you needed to. And of course, you've got Presley to, to finish it out if you need to. Yeah, Brian, uh, who we heard from earlier, he said, send JV tomorrow, having him pitch winner take all scares the life out of me. And you and I have talked about this, Stephen. I think I speak for both of us when I say JV on three days rest, a 40-year-old pitcher that didn't look good on three days rest the last time we went through this back in 2019 against Tampa, and it was a disaster. It's stupid to pitch JV on three days. Look, for the most part, starting pitchers on three days rest in the postseason, it just it doesn't work. And, and now you're talking about a 40-year-old that yeah. just doesn't – he doesn't have that arm anymore where he's just throwing it faster than ever. He's relying on guile now. This is not Justin Verlander from 2017. This is a different guy. Well, just go back to 2019. You and I were talking about this off the air the other day, Robert. I think we we brought this up and, and we talked about it. Remember what happened in 2019 when they tried to bring Verlander back on uh, short rest? It didn't go well. He did not. He was definitely not vintage Verlander. So, yeah, it's just not a good idea. I think I've heard the Dodgers are thinking about putting Clayton Kershaw out if there's a game four on short rest. Probably not a great idea for him either, but that's not our business. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely wouldn't do it with JV. You know, it's interesting to watch these guys call the games and hear, hear the Astros fans uh, just sort of cry about they don't like this or that from the television. I actually think this television crew has done a, a pretty good job. Um, they've been pretty fair. I mean, I heard early in the game, people were mad. Well, they're, they're, they're talking about the, the sun and the shadows affecting the Twins hitters, but it apparently, you know, the Astros hitters, it doesn't affect. So, you know, why is that the case? But, you know, it's, I, I just think you, you could see what the Twins hitters were struggling with early in the game and the Astros hitters just, I guess, weren't, weren't struggling as much. So that maybe that's why, but I, I mean, to think that that, that they're going to bring that up because it's a bias. I just, I don't get that. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, it's like talking about the batter's eye and how the Astros were seeming to have all kinds of trouble with the batter's eye. So they made some adjustments. Well, you know, the opposing hitters didn't seem to have a problem with the batter's eye. That's why the Astros had such a miserable home record. So I don't know that it plays a big part. I mean, you could probably have said that maybe the shadows helped Javier a little bit, but you know, they were sort of figuring about, Hey, listen, the Twins had multiple chances to get back in this game and even get ahead in this game if they had followed through. I mean, they, you know, they, they didn't score any runs with uh, runners in scoring position today. So, I mean, yeah, you can talk about the shadows. You can talk about this and talk about that. But ultimately what it boils down to is can you bear down when you need to bear down? Who's going to outdo who, the pitcher or the hitter? Yeah, we keep talking about this over and over again for postseason after postseason. But the Astros, I don't know what it is, but this team, just time after time, they know how to turn it up when the lights are the biggest. And, and it just seems like they just keep bringing in more guys that do it. You know, Jordan wasn't here when this all started. Christian yeah. Javier wasn't here. Fromber Valdez, although he struggled, we saw him, you know, do – great stuff last postseason. Um, but it's just guy after guy that you, you just think, okay, uh, who's, who's up next? And I'm, no, Jeremy I'm, Pena. I mean, you can throw in the mix the way he, he did last year in his rookie season. And he's doing it again in the postseason this year. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a number of guys and, 
Robert, I think what you can boil it down to is the the veteran presence and leadership in the clubhouse. You know, those guys are a very close-knit unit. They're not cliquish from what I hear. I mean, I've not been in the Astros clubhouse, but everything I've read, you know, from people who have been talk about how the team hangs out together, how they are very close-knit all the way through. You know, that veteran presence goes a long way for a lot of those young guys about how to act, how to react, you know, the work ethic. I think when Kyle Tucker first came up, you know, there were some questions about his work ethic, about, you know, how much could he adapt to that when he got to the major league level? And, you know, he worked on that. I mean, he realized it. Same with Yonder Diaz and, and the, you know, catching preparation behind the plate. You know, that was one of the things they talked about early in the season. But he was starting to pick up on that as the season went along. So I think that's what it is, Robert. I think the veterans have a lot to do with how the young guys come through. And that's why this team, when their back is against the wall, they just know how to bring it. Yeah, just a, a massive win in this game. And then you you got a chance to close it out tomorrow. Hopefully they can get that done. We're going to be back here for the live post game tomorrow. Stephen, I, I should also mention that there was a little bit of Astros news. Uh, We've got to talk about this before we go. They made a little bit of news between uh, the last time you and I talked because Dana Brown's starting to shape the Astros front office in his uh, sort of, you know, in, in his in, in the way he wants to do things. Sarah Goodrum, uh, he gets rid of her. That was a uh, click hire. And then he yeah. also gets rid of uh, one of the assistant GMs that's been around, you know, since the days of Bill Fergus. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Fergus for like a decade. Yeah. And you you kind of like, you know, you wonder because it seems like the Astros are having success, but it seems like the Astros, you know, they make a move and it's always they find somebody else. So hopefully Dana Brown's got some people yeah. in mind that he thinks is going to do great in this. Well, I, you know, I think somebody put on our Twitter feed, Robert, is it, isn't it weird that, you know, Crane is is trying to kill the the dynasty or I forgot how he put it, but kind of paraphrasing it, you know, Crane is trying to kill everything that's happened you know, by getting rid of front office people. I, I think this is mostly Dana Brown moves. You know, he came out the other day and said there were going to be multiple promotions within the front office. Well, he thought, obviously, if they're going to be promotions, that means some people have to leave. And at the time, we thought, well, maybe he knows that some people are leaving, as in resigning. But no, as it turns out, you know, he let those two people go. And listen, you know, it's just business. And, you know, he's getting his people in and getting the people that he believes can take the team forward into the future. And, you know, unless we find out otherwise, that's, that's what I'm going to believe. It's just something that happens. And Dana Brown knows a lot of people in baseball. So I am confident at this moment that he can get the right people in that he wants that will keep the momentum going forward. Well, while you were talking, Stephen, I just saw word out that Jose Arquiti, it's official. He's going to start tomorrow, so not 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 surprising. Yeah, that's that's a good. Yeah, I, I think that is the best move to make. Is Arquiti uh, gets the start, and then you have France to back him up if you need to, and then go from there. So now we know it's going to be Jose Arquiti against Joe Ryan because we we know that Joe Ryan was going to be the starter in Game Four even before Game Three began. The Twins announced that, so that is going to be your matchup on Wednesday. Any final things that you're thinking about before we go rest of this series or just period? Well, just one more note on Javier. He's actually the first pitcher in MLB history 
to have three postseason starts where he hasn't allowed more than one hit in any of those starts, man, that that's pretty cool. You know, five innings pitched, one hit, no runs, nine strikeouts. It's that's pretty cool. Yeah, just uh, what he's done is is you know, and and you got him under contract for a while too, and and it's a really good contract that you got. I mean, to have a guy that that's this good in the clutch under contract for the next few years, you know, yeah. it's, it's just it's, it's it's a huge deal. And you know, Ty says uh, player key to player key tomorrow, and if he gets in trouble, bring in France right away. Yeah, we we were talking about that earlier, so we yeah. agree. We agree with that. Well, that's all we got. But hey, come back tomorrow. Uh, right now, what is it scheduled? See, one o'clock, one o'clock tomorrow. At the well, at the moment, as we're live, of course, it is one o six. But we have to keep in mind that the Rangers Orioles game is going to determine what time the game actually is. If the Orioles win Game Three and keep the series alive, the game will be the Astros game will be at one o six because the Rangers and Orioles were scheduled for primetime slot at 606 but if the rangers win and the series ends the astros game will move to 606 on wednesday evening so i don't know take your preference you you want an afternoon game you want an evening game you're going to get one or the other yeah I, me give me an afternoon game i'll take yeah, that. that same here good cheer for the orioles <laughs> then hey and also uh as we leave we're, we're setting you right up because, you know, right over my shoulder, you see the Rockets insignia. They are starting right. the season just a few minutes. I can't wait to see what these guys look like. I can't wait to see the new young guys, the the Van Vliet's and the Dylan Brooks now in a, in a Rockets uniform. But most of all, just what Ime Udoka is going to do with this Rockets team and the way it looks on the court and how they play defense. And uh, that's going to be the key word is defense, which we didn't see a ton of last year. Yeah, and something else that I've noticed, there you've been a couple of players come out and say, man, I can't wait to, to play but more defense. You know, I, I I forgot which, was it Tari Eason is one of the players that I, I want to be the best defensive player in the NBA. Well, that might be, you know, stretching it a bit, but hey, if you're w- that willing to work on defense, that can only bode well for the Rockets. And I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they will definitely be much more exciting this year, just like the Texans have been. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. The Rockets are starting. Uh, the NHL opens tonight, and that's a big thing for me. So I'm going to be watching some hockey, going back and forth between that and the Rockets and the Rangers-Orioles a game. So, yeah, it's a lot going on, Robert. Oh, my goodness. And then we got Texans post game <laughs> coming up uh, this yep. Sunday. Tomorrow we're going to go a uh, little bit inside the Texans and the Saints. We've got a Saints insider that's scheduled to come on with us. Uh, we're trying to get an insider Uh, pretty much every week now, if we can, on whoever the Texans' opponent is. But that should be up, I think, Thursday. I'm going to wait till Thursday to put that show up so you guys can digest the Astros postgame show tomorrow. But thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thanks a lot, Stephen, and we'll see you tomorrow. All right. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.